Okay, that was cool. Um, last service, I got up on stage and someone goes, man, the moment you walked up there, I thought, oh no, we're in for it. Like, they said, you just had this look in your eye. And I go, I know, I know. It's See, a lot of times I'll come up here and I like to think that I'm fearless, but I'm not. Usually I come up here and there's a little bit of concern about what people will think when I'm done speaking. It's human nature, right? But I fight it, and I fight it. And I go, man, you shouldn't care. You shouldn't care what other people say. You didn't care what other people think. This is for God. This morning, I don't care at all, okay? I don't care what anyone... You, I am so sure, so sure, so sure of what I'm about to say. Uh, This is coming from God out of his words so clear. And there's just this absolute, complete peace. Fearless, fearless. You guys, you don't have to come back next week. I don't care. I really don't. I don't. I'll I'll go sell windows, light bulbs, whatever. You know, I'll get a job with someone here, you know. Um, This this is it, man. This is is so clearly the word of God, the gospel. Man, meditating all last week on what I preached last week and looking over my mind going, no, that was it, that was it. And looking at it this week going, man, I, I know this is it. This is, this is what the world needs to hear. And so I care less what you think, and I praise God for that. And uh, at the same time, we, uh, we better pray um, because uh, this is, uh, if we get this stuff, it's going to be an act of God, and I recognize that. And so pray with me now. Father, I'm just so excited about this morning. I'm so excited about this message. I'm just so excited about your word. Thank you, God, for just opening my eyes. Thank you for just the beauty of everything you say, everything you say. Blessed be your name, God, no matter what happens on this earth, no matter what we have to suffer. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Now, last week, last week I talked about suffering. Now, not just any type of suffering, not like, oh, I sprained my ankle suffering or, oh, you know, I lost my job type of suffering. Last week I talked about suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. Suffering for the sake of the gospel. Now, when I was talking about that after, you know, talking about Philippians 3 verse 10, and it talked about how Paul was saying, you know, I I want I want to share in his sufferings. I actually want to share. I want, to, I want that fellowship of sharing the sufferings of Jesus Christ. As I was speaking about that, there were a few eyes on me. There were a few heads nodding. But there was a lot of blank stares. There was a lot of... There was a lot of, oh, there he goes again. Into his little radical Francis trip about suffering and doing these crazy things for Jesus. That's just him. And I just saw a lot of dismissing of, ah, that's just the way he is. And uh, he's probably just taking this little verse out of context. And I want to, I just, I think I'm good at reading people at this point. And I just want to, I want to ask the question, am I? Am I taking one obscure verse about suffering And building this whole theology around it. Or could it be that everyone else is taking a few verses and preaching those same verses over and over and over and over again to where we actually believe in our mind 
that God wants us to live a comfortable, safe life here on earth. I just want to see who is really taking things out of context here. Could it be that we in America want to live this happy, safe, comfortable, self-indulgent life so badly that we'll focus on a few verses and say them over and over again. We'll even take, you talk about out of context, we'll take a verse out of the Old Testament genealogy, First Chronicles 10, and go, wait, look, I found something. Look, in the middle of this genealogy, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and then Jabez prayed that he would get more land, and he got it, so God wants me to have more land. Could it be that I'm not the one that's taking things out of context? And could it be that as I talk about this stuff, people go, well, well, isn't there that one verse in the Old Testament that talks about this ant that stores up a bunch of stuff? And isn't that an example for us that we should store up a bunch of stuff? And isn't there the weird verse, or I don't know, something about God helping those who help themselves? And then, you know, and, and then you store things in a storehouse and you look back and there's two sets of footprints. Or isn't there that verse? or something like that man and then i hear oh you know what's crazy is people even use the people go you know what francis you're you're too intense you're always talking about caring for the needy caring for the poor jesus said the poor will always be with you oh that's what he meant you're always going to have the poor, so don't worry about them. They're always going to be around bugging us. So, so that's what Jesus meant. You know what? I'm the one taking things out of context. You know what? I'm the radical. I'm just this extremist that just pulls these obscure verses. I just really want to question us today and go, okay, let's be extremely careful with the word of God. Let's be extremely careful because we all have preferences. We all have things that we just naturally want. And let's be careful not to just do what we want and then justify it biblically. But instead, let's come to the word of God and really say, God, you know what? I know I'm a selfish person. I know there's things I want. And so I'll want it and then I'll just find some verse to justify the way I'm living rather than just reading this simply. I don't, I'm talking about the obvious, simple, clear message of this book and just going, what does it say? Because the truth is, is I believe things that I don't want to believe. But it's because I go, man, I don't really like that, but I can't deny that's what it says. So I'm going to believe it. And I got to ask you, you know, are you believing things you don't want to believe? Are you doing things that you don't want to do sometimes? Because you go, man, that's really what the book says. And that's the obvious truth of it. But we live in a time when people just want to do whatever they feel like doing and they'll justify it somehow. And I believe the church is equally guilty of that, that we do the same thing with the word of God. And we really need to pray and say, God, open my eyes. Let me see what it obviously, obviously says. In fact, let's just pray right now. Let's just pray that God opens our eyes to scriptures. God, please, Lord, please. Open our eyes. Help us to see the obvious truth of your word. And God, may we not manipulate. May we not explain things away. May we just look at the obvious message of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew. 
because if you have your Bibles, this is a great, great morning to make sure you have your Bibles because I want to make sure you know that I'm not making this stuff up. And uh, for those who don't have your Bibles, we'll put the Bible on the screen, the verses on the screen, and you can look at your neighbor who has a Bible and say, is it really in there? And they'll go, "Uh uh-huh, it really is in there. He didn't change anything. It's there. Matthew, we'll just start in Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. This is Jesus. Jesus says, do not think, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This is Jesus talking. He goes, did you guys think I came to bring peace? Did you think I, I came so you could have good family time? No, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Some of you are going to follow me, and you know what? Your own family is going to hate you for it. And I actually came for that purpose. I came to bring a sword, not peace. I came to bring a sword. I'm going to set a man against his own father. I'm going to have a daughter and a mom. They're going to fight. Daughter-in-law, they they fight anyways. But I'm I'm going to... (laughs) This is Jesus talking. Let's go. Let's go to Mark. Mark 8, verses 34 through 36. Mark 8, 34 through 36. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. See, Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, he goes, then you got to deny yourself. Wait, wait, deny? Wait, so, wait, wait, no, that's not fair, God. If you gave me these desires, then I should have the freedom to exercise these desires however I want to. Can God really tell me that I have to deny myself of this pleasure? Apparently so. If anyone should come after me, let him deny himself. Jesus has the freedom to say, look, if you're going to follow me, there are a lot of things you want. You've got to deny yourself of those things. In fact, you're going to have to pick up a cross, which, which also isn't fun, and be crucified next to me if that's what it takes, and follow me. And if you want to save your life, you're like, well, I don't want to let go of all these things I love. You want to save it? You want to save it and try to add me to it? He goes, you're going to lose your life. And those who just say, you know what, there's all these things I want, but I'm letting go. I don't. It's, it's all yours. It's yours. I'll deny myself of those things. He goes, then you're going to find life. He goes, but if you're going to try to hold on to it all, you're going to lose it. And he goes, and at the end of it, let me ask you something. What's it going to profit you? You just gained the whole world. While you lived on the earth, you got to keep everything you wanted. But guess what happens at the end? You forfeit your soul. Was it worth it to you? Was it worth it? Jesus says, look, this is what it takes to follow me. Let, let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. 
He, he says, look, people are going to hate you. And in fact, if everyone speaks well of you, you're probably a false prophet. Because you're just telling people what they want to hear because you don't want to cause any friction. He goes, that's the same thing the false prophets did. Everyone loved them because they just said what everyone loved to hear. And they just tickled people's ears. He goes, the true prophets, they were hated. And so if you're hated, rejoice, be glad, because that's the way they treated me. That's the way they treated the, the true prophets. That's the way they'll treat you also. Let's turn to John. John 15, verse 18. This is Jesus again. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. So Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that man hated me first. What did you expect? Because you thought you were going to be my servant and everyone was going to love you even though they crucified me. He goes, this is what's expected. He goes, if you were of the world, then the world would love you. See, that, and that's a very important verse. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. And I got to ask you, does the world love you? Does the world love you? Because if it does, it's, it's because you're of the world. But the world hates you when you're really chosen out of it and you're preaching a message that God's called you to preach. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And I, I was thinking about this and I thought, okay, if Jesus lived in Simi Valley, think about Jesus, everything you know about his personality, all these crazy sayings that he says, would people, would people love Jesus in Simi Valley? Is Simi Valley so different from Jerusalem back then? And we go, oh, no, no, he would love him. He, you know, we would love him here in Simi Valley. Or would, we, or would he attack many of these things that we just cherish so much to the point where people would write him off as a radical and hate him? I have a question that I was thinking about. I don't remember if it was last night or this morning. And it's this. How did John 3.16 get so popular? First time this ever entered my mind. <laughs> a random thought. How did John 3.16 get so popular? Football. Yeah, Monday night football helped. I remember that. But I think before that, he was doing pretty good. John 3, 16, how did it get so popular? Because I'm, I'm going, okay, how come this one's not as popular as John 3, 16? It's also in John. Monday Night Football, Monday night football I know, but why didn't we put this on Monday Night Football? <laughs> you, you see, because I, I was just thinking about this. I go, you know, we, there's certain verses, because we like, and I, hey, don't get me wrong. I like John 3, 16. That's a cool verse. I'm just saying, aren't we supposed to treat everything kind of equally? Well, Jesus said this, he said this. He said, Why do we just take a couple of verses and say, we're just going to talk about this, this, this. And, and even for me to question John 3, 16, some of you are going, ooh, blasphemy. That is the sacred verse. How did it get to be that? It does feel good. And, and that's fine. Some things are supposed to feel good. But I'm just going, why don't we make some of these other ones a little more popular? Why don't we hang these at football games? You know, it's just, it's weird. But, you know, I, I don't think I'm the one that's taking things out of context and just, you know, pulling obscure things with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Let's go to Acts. Acts chapter 5. Remember, Jesus says, look, they're going to they're gonna persecute you. And guess what happens in Acts? I'll give you a wild guess. They got persecuted. 
Jesus says, if you follow me, they're going to persecute. They persecuted me. And so here we have in Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. So think about this. The disciples, they start preaching and they get persecuted. They get beat up. And I'm guessing this isn't a little swat on the hand. Based upon what they did to Jesus. They were beat. And what did they do? Well, Jesus said they were going to beat. And Jesus told them, get beat. And Jesus says, you know what? And go out rejoicing. So what did they do? They went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. That is such a beautiful picture. Such a beautiful picture. Let's go to Romans. Are you noticing a pattern yet? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. You'll catch on. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, that's a beautiful verse. I mean, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Amen? Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. Wow, are you kidding me? I mean, I've always heard it stop right there. It goes on, provided we suffer with him. What does provided mean? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Provided we suffer with him in order, do you know what that means? In order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we're heirs, man. We're heirs, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 1 Corinthians. This is that famous verse. I love it. Where Paul says, it's kind of famous. A few of us know it. 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Right? Paul says, look, if this, is, if this is it down here on earth, then you should pity me. Because Paul talks about, man, I've been beat up. I've been, everyone's trying to kill me. And he goes, if this is it, then I'm the biggest fool in the world. I should be pitied more than anyone. But the problem with this verse is who would really say that about you? See, because the truth is, is most of us, even if there is no heaven, our life on earth was pretty good. People don't pity the way we live. In fact, many of them are envious and go, man, I wish I had everything you had. I wish my life was as comfortable as yours. Paul says, you know what? If this is all I got, then pity me. But I'm not living for this life. I'm living for the next. And that's why later on, verse 30 to 32, he says, and as for us, why do we, en- why do we endanger ourselves every hour? Because he wouldn't have to do that. I die every day. I mean that, brothers. Just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let's eat, drink, and tomorrow we die. He goes, you know what? If this is all there is, then you know what? Spend everything on yourself. Have a great time. Build a safe, comfortable life. But Paul says, because this isn't where it is, I, I die daily. I go out, I let people beat me up, whatever. And if there's no heaven, man, this is stupid. And you should just pity me. But because I know there is, I'll take it. I'll take it. Second Corinthians. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Guess what I'm going to do next? (laughs) You guys don't even know what comes next. Galatians. It's Galatians. Okay, in Galatians... Um, Galatians 6, you see, there are people who can avoid suffering. In fact, he talks about them in Galatians, so not everyone has to suffer. Galatians 6, 12, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Paul says there's those people who avoid suffering. They're the ones who will say, oh, yeah, 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 you got to do this. When they're in the company of those who say you have to be circumcised. And suddenly, oh, yeah, I agree with you, too. He goes, you know why they go around agreeing with everyone? It's because they don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. That's why they don't say anything. That's why they don't ruffle any feathers. They don't stir the waters. They don't shake things up because I sure wouldn't want to get persecuted. Ephesians. Ephesians 6. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul says, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus... You're entering into a war, and this isn't even a normal human war. This is, this is a step above that. All hell is going to be against you. And you're not wrestling against just flesh and blood. It's not like a fighting match between you and one other human being. Now you've got the forces of hell going against you, and so you better be ready because this is a battle, and this is a serious wrestle, and you better have the whole armor of God on you because this isn't a little happy club that you've joined. This is, this is a war. This is, this is absolute war. Philippians. <laughs> Thank you. Philippians. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Is there any confusion to this verse? It has been granted to you. That for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. How come that didn't make it into the four spiritual laws? How come when I became a Christian, no one read that to me? How come it was all happy verses to try to talk me into joining this, this church thing? So they could put another number, you know, another notch. Oh, another person came forward. How come they're not bringing these up? I mean, what makes one verse more popular than another? We like them, right? I don't really like these. Because maybe, maybe some people that, that, as you're calling for an invitation, maybe not such a big crowd would come forward. You know, if you said, hey, you know what? Hey, you guys want to suffer? <laughs> no, but instead we say, you want Jesus to be your friend? Then just wink at me and no one will need to know, you know. And, and then I can mark it down and say, I had a thousand and four conversions at our retreat. But now Jesus says, look, if you guys want to come after me, this isn't going to be easy. You still want to do it? 
You know, Paul says, look, it's been granted to you that you don't just believe and go, well, I believe he died. On... No, it's granted for you not only believe, but also to suffer for his sake. Is he worth it to you? You're going you're to suffer for him? You wanna, you're willing to do that for him? Let's go to Colossians. I could go on about this verse. I, 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 so you can get the podcast when I talk through Colossians. This is such a beautiful verse. Colossians 1.24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body that is the church. First Thessalonians chapter 3. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. So Paul says, look, when we were with you, we kept, we kept on telling you beforehand. We didn't hide it from you. We didn't say, hey, you know what? God's going to give you this great life. It's going to be all. He goes, we didn't tell you that. We kept on telling you beforehand, you're going to suffer affliction. We're going to suffer affliction. We're about to get beat up here for what we believe. You know what? This is not a pop. We kept telling you just as it has come to pass and just as you know. See? And it happened. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 5. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. You see, it's just taken for granted. Jesus said, you're going to follow me. You're going to suffer for it. And, and then he goes, you know what? See, here it is. You're suffering. All Christians, all true followers of Jesus Christ will suffer it's only the false prophets. It's only the people that are worried about everyone else that, that they're not going to be hated because they're of the world. But he goes, you know, you guys are suffering. First Timothy. First Timothy 1, 18. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Paul's writing this young pastor, Timothy. He goes, and I'm writing these things because you need to fight. You got to fight in this war. Some of you may go, well, that doesn't totally seem like suffering that much. All right, then, then I'll make up for it in 2 Timothy. Okay, maybe he didn't talk about it a lot. So 2 Timothy chapter 1. Well, well, 2 Timothy 1. He goes, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And then in chapter 2. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In chapter 3, he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And then chapter 4, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Suffering, 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 suffering. Titus. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not teach. Because you've got to understand, people are going to be against you. They're going to shame you. They're going to go after you. Philemon. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. Hebrews. This one brings chills to me. 
Hebrews. Oh, I love this. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. You guys, this is such a beautiful picture. Do you see see what he's saying? He says, you know how Jesus suffered outside the gate? What's he talking about that? Remember how they wouldn't crucify Jesus inside the city gates because they treated him like a dog. So they said, we don't want him crucified. We don't want that trash on our property. Let's take him outside of Jerusalem where we put all the scum of the earth. Let's take him outside the city gates and nail him to a cross there. That's where we throw the trash. That's where we throw the garbage. That's where we put all the reject losers outside of our city gate. Let's get him outside of the camp and we'll crucify him there. And the writer of Hebrews says... You know what? So then let's go with him outside the camp and let's reproach. Let's face the same reproach he endured. You know, if you're going to take Jesus, if you're going to kick Jesus out of the city, then what do we as followers do? We go, I'm not going to stay here in the city and pretend I'm buddy, buddy with all of you. I'm not going to say you reject my Jesus. I'm going to go out. You see where he's he's being crucified. I want to go there with him. And so if you want to look at me as scum like you looked at Jesus, then I'm going to bear the same approach because I just want Jesus. And I'll sit there at the cross and I'll, 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 I'll do anything. I'll, I'll go with him. I'll face the same rejection he did because I love Jesus. Everything else is crap. You can understand that. And so if you're going to cast him out of the city, he goes, then you guys, here's what we'll do as believers. Let's go outside the camp. Let's go to where he is. And if he's a reject, I'll be a reject. I don't need to be popular with the world. I don't need to be loved by the world. I don't want to be looked at as a superstar, this wonderful thing. You know what? If that's the way you treat Jesus, I'm going to walk out those city gates with him. And whatever approach he endured, I'm going to take it with him. And it's going to be sweet fellowship, Jesus and I. James 5. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He says, you know what, let's take an example. He goes, an example of suffering. He goes, how about the prophets? I I know we're we're going through the New Testament right now. But he goes, why don't you go back to the Old Testament? Why don't you look at some of the prophets? You want to see how they treated Ezekiel? You want to see how they, you know, treated Daniel? You want to see how they treated Jeremiah? You want to see how they treated any of these prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord? He goes, but we consider them blessed. Because we go, you know what? Who's laughing now? How's Jeremiah doing right now? Think he's all right? How's Ezekiel doing right now? I mean, he went through a lot. I mean, his life was crazy. I think he's okay. I think he's pretty happy. And I think he's a good example because I want to be happy forever. Because forever is a lot longer than today. And uh, he says, Job, you you saw, you know, God's going to put you through things. You know what? But you just suck it up. You get through it. And you see God, God is, God is compassionate. God is merciful. And all those guys will tell you right now it was worth it. So James, first Peter. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. 
For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Why did Jesus do that? He, he left you an example. That was supposed to be, did you know that Jesus was supposed to be an example? That we're supposed to follow and we're going, okay, this is how Jesus lived. Oh, so that's an example of how he lived. Oh, he suffered. I should suffer. I'm supposed to follow in his footsteps. And I love, I, I added another first Peter. I didn't add it like I wrote it. It's, it's, it's really in there. But I, I, I put two in, in first Peter because I just love this. What he says in first Peter 4, 12. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. See, I, I just, I don't know. I, I said, ah, let's throw this one in too. Because I, I love this thought because he says, don't be surprised when you're suffering like something strange is happening to you. You know what's strange is when no one is persecuting you for your faith. That's strange. See, we've twisted everything around in our system to where, oh, that guy's weird. You know, people hate him for, you know, what he preaches. That's weird. No, no, what's weird is when we set our lives up to avoid persecution so much so that you can't name a single person that hates you because of your belief in Jesus Christ. That's weird. But when people, when people persecute you and you have this fiery trial that comes into your life and everything seems to be falling apart and everyone seems to be against you, he goes, don't think something strange is happening to you. That's the norm. That's what is expected. But rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So when Jesus comes back in all of his glory, wow, those of us who suffered him, we, we can rejoice. He goes, so rejoice now because every time you suffer, you're going to know when he comes, I'm really going to rejoice because he's going to see I was one of those that followed in his footsteps. I didn't dodge the persecution. I went after it. Second Peter. And many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. First John three. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Okay? Put that on a keychain. First John, first John 3, 16 through 18. Here's first, first John 3, 16. Let me do that one. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. He goes, would you guys quit talking? There's people that are starving out there. How in the world, if you're not laying down your life for them, can the love of Christ be in you? He goes, let's stop talking. You know, I know a lot of you guys want to instruct me on stuff because you've studied this, studied that. You know who I listen to? Because I do listen to people. I listen to people who do things. I really do. Um, I know a lot of you have a, an incredible mind and you've studied for years in your classroom or in your office. And that's great. I'm glad you're smart. But it's those who don't talk 
But they actually do something with their lives. They actually sacrifice and suffer. Man, I'll sit at those people's feet for, for hours and just go, tell me more. Tell me more. Because I want to be like you. Because we, we were so good at talking. And, and Jesus says, you know what? I laid down my life for you. Remember, that was supposed to be the example. You follow in my footsteps. He goes, so, so shouldn't you lay down your lives for the brothers? And so if you're doing well and someone else is suffering, shouldn't you follow my example and suffer yourself for the sake of others? Because that's what I did for you. So quit talking about it. That's cute that you got Bible study. But why don't you do something and actually help those people? Second John 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Second John is so powerful when he talks about the deceivers and the antichrists. Look, if you are Jesus Christ, living out Jesus Christ, there are going to be deceivers and there's going to be people that are going to be so against you because they're antichrists. Understand, just accept the suffering that's going to come. Third John says this. Third John 9, he says, I've written something to the church, by, but Diotrephes, who, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. He says, you know, I'm writing this letter to the church. But he goes, you've got people in that church that, that they, they're really into themselves. They like to put themselves first. He goes, like this guy, Diotrephes. He doesn't even acknowledge, you know, my authority, John says. So when I come, I'm going to bring up what he's doing, how he, he talks wicked nonsense against us. You've got to understand um, the gossip that goes around. When someone follows God, people are going to speak against him. People are going to speak against her. Why? Because we don't like this. And they'll even put people out of the church and make them sound like the blasphemers. For example, in Jude 8. Jude, it's just one chapter. In verse 8 it says, Yet in like manner these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. They blaspheme the glorious ones. So those ones on the earth that, man, these are the glorious ones in God's eyes. You know, precious in the sight of the Lord, the death of one of his saints. God looks down at certain people and goes, oh, man, that's mine. You know, like the Apostle Paul, oh, he's so beautiful to God. But everyone else treated him as the scum of the earth. And he goes, my glorious ones, they're going to blaspheme them. And these people, they're going to rely on their dreams. They're going to go, oh, but I had this dream about this. Or they're going to, you know, they're just going to dream up stuff in their own intellect and go, well, I think this, I think this, and I think these guys, they're so off. And Paul says, they're going to blaspheme the glorious ones. And then Revelation. Revelation 2.10. Last book of the Bible. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil's about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested And for 10 days, you'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Amen? You know, he says, look, this is going to stink. Some of you are going to suffer so much. Some of you are going to be thrown into prisons, and you're going to be tortured. But hold on. Okay, be patient. Even if they kill you, just let them. Because when it's all done, you're going to receive the crown of life. I'll give you the crown of life. But your job, be faithful even to death. 
Now, I've heard it all my life again. Well, the reason why we're not getting persecuted is because we live in America. I don't believe that. You are not being persecuted. If you are not being persecuted, it's because you purposely avoid persecution. Because if Jesus lived in America, he would be persecuted. You know why? Because he didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. He spoke up. He would have been persecuted in Simi Valley everywhere. And you've got to understand that. Man, remember the disciples had a chance to avoid persecution. Remember what the leaders told them? Just stop preaching about Jesus. And remember what Peter says? I believe it's in 529. He goes, you judge for yourself. Who am I going to obey, you or God? So I'm going to keep preaching about Jesus Christ, and you'll have to keep bringing me back into this dungeon and keep beating me, because I'm not going to shut up. They could have avoided it too. Paul would have lived a lot longer if he didn't go to such dangerous places and just kept himself safe. Go, go into a gated community and just, just have fellowship, you know? Just have fellowship with your Christian friends. You know, lock that garage door, let a few Christians in, go to church, have Bibles, and then come back in. You know, Paul could have lived a long time. But instead, he goes, you know what? I know it's dangerous there, but the Spirit of God's telling me to go. I'm just going to go. This part of it. I'm just going to suffer for the sake of Christ. Listen, I, I don't believe for, for a second that um, we don't get persecuted because we live in America. We don't get persecuted because we know how to dodge persecution. We know how to avoid it. We were taught a gospel that was devoid of suffering. I see it in myself. I was, I was watching really closely this week and I saw time after time where, oh, normally I know what I would say to this person to avoid persecution. And it's like, no, I'm chickening out. I'm just not saying it. I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm not talking about, you know, some people, you know, go, oh, everyone hates me because I'm a Christian. No, they just hate you because you're annoying. They, they, I'm talking about... I'm talking about those times. Yeah, because they hate you if you weren't a Christian. Okay, it's, it, I'm talking about those times when you in love just look someone in the eyes and go, I'm sorry. But this is clearly what the Word of God says. And some of you that are my friends right now and are going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wait till you, you, you break a command in the law of God and, and you want something so badly. And I come and I show you, no, you can't do that. We'll see how much you love me then. Because many have left. Once, they're, once they hear it. And I, I just notice in my own life, man, I don't like pain. You, you think I came up with this because it's what I wanted? I'm just going, no, I can't deny what it's in every, every book of this. It's, it's just, it's all over. And how do we miss it? We miss it. Someone came after, me, after service and go, I feel like you just read out of a whole different version of the Bible. Like someone just handed me, a, I, I didn't know how did we how do we miss these things when it is a major major theme of scripture is followers of Christ will be hated will be persecuted but it's worth it and um let me just let me just say be so careful that you don't spend your life fighting for what you want Because it's what a lot of people do. You want to live a certain way. 
And so you fight for that. And you try to find verses to justify the way you're living. But I can tell you there are a lot of things in this book that I don't like. You think that I heard about Jesus and I hear about the suffering. I go, oh, cool. I don't like it. I like comfort. I like playing. I like everyone liking me. But there are things I believe that I don't want to believe. And that's part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's part of denying yourself and taking up your cross and following him. There's not a lot of do what you feel like doing in that verse. It's just the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is that he's worth it. He's absolutely worth it. We're about to take communion. I didn't think there'd be any better way to end this service than to, than to take a piece of bread and think about Jesus. Remember what Jesus did with his disciples? He tore that piece of bread. And what did he say? This is my body. It's broken. It's going to be torn apart for you. Doesn't communion remind you of suffering? What does the cup represent? Blood? That sounds like suffering. Body torn apart, blood coming out. How, how do we skip these things? And the question is, is are you willing to die with him, suffer with him? I, I am. I, I really believe I am. I want to be one of those that are faithful even to death, even though everyone hates me. Whatever, whatever it takes. Even if I'm rejected and kicked out of the city gates. Because that's where Jesus was. It's a good place to be. I'm more nervous if everyone starts loving me. And liking me. Because I don't think they would have liked Jesus. During this time of communion, only take of the bread and cup if you really believe that Jesus suffered for you. And you're ready to do the same in his name's sake. And during this time, maybe you've never decided to follow Jesus. The picture of baptism. You can get baptized this morning, but I want you to understand it's not, hey, you know, just come on in. Jesus will be your friend. Die is the message of baptism. Die to yourself. Deny yourself. You're dying to the old you with all its wants and desires. I'm denying all that because I found someone better. And I want to be united in death. I want to be united outside the city gates with Jesus because one day I want to rise with him. Come out of that water. Come out of this earth forever and ever and ever. And be with my Savior. So for now, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And if that's you, then you can come pray with us. And get baptized today. The rest of us, for those who believe, take of the bread. Take of the cup. Just meditate on what we've learned.